Hey y'all, today's episode is sponsored by Biddy's Baby Cakes. Biddy's Baby Cakes is a family-owned business that creates an assortment of Southern pound cakes for the central Mississippi area. Each treat is made to order and their buttery sweet roasted pecans can ship anywhere in the continental United States. To order yours today, check out Biddy's Baby Cakes on Facebook and Instagram. Let's start the show. Hoodoo plants, mama. Get your soul fed and your spirit red. This here in the trend, I possess the power from way back when. Back when folks were stripped from all of their kin, so they had to find the magic within. Ancestors and gather my urge, I conjure at my altar. Voodoo play mama, I manifest growth and I release drama. We just out here trying to water our plants and mind our business, you know? Everybody ain't from the deep south, man. Everybody can't have a culture like us. Welcome back to another episode of Hoodoo Plant Mamas. I am one of your hosts, Leah Nicole. And I'm Danny B. And today we have the pleasure of talking with Juju Bay of a little Juju podcast. But before we get into that interview, Danny B, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Not great, but I'm making it. <laughs> um, how are you? Uh, I feel that I'm am a bit tired. Um, there's a lot going on in my life right now, a lot of planning and stuff. And so it's exciting, but it's also exhausting. So yeah, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful to be here today. I'm here. That's like the mantra for today, just because I'm having like a rough time, like mental health wise right now, but I'm here and I showed up and I'm ready to do it. Ready to do the show. (laughs) What about you? Uh, That's something, you know, and I think for me, I'm grateful for our guest today, for Juju Bay. Um, I was actually listening to another podcast, Tea with Queen and Jay, and it was like for months they were advertising her podcast, and I was like, that sounds cool, but I already listened to like a dozen podcasts, and eventually when I wanted to learn more about hoodoo and um, Black spirituality, that was a very needed reminder and because of her I was able to start you know my ancestor altar and eventually do this podcast so I'm very grateful for the work that she has done and the impact that she's had same I'm super grateful too for everything that I've learned and I was actually thinking about that today just I think people should practice hoodoo and their whatever spiritual practices they engage in however they choose um for me I feel like her podcast really affirmed me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um because I'm just I don't like things that are too rigid um I don't like a lot of rules and I know some people are like there are rules in hoodoo that's fine um I think I always defer to ancestors which I think she puts a lot of emphasis on um as well that has helped me a lot and for me my practice is deeply rooted in like ancestor work and a lot of personal family 
work in whatever way I do that. So in community, the people who I'm in community with. So yeah, I'm super thankful for the gift of Juju Bay and that we got a chance to talk to her on the podcast. Yeah. And something that you said that I was going to talk about later, but I can talk about now is like, I think something that people think is that hoodoo is universal. Um, And it's not. A lot of it is familial work is work that you're doing in your lineage. So it is best to defer to your ancestors. Yes. And that's what I do. Cause I just, the, the internet brigade kind of gets me dizzy sometimes. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what, this is not a one size fits all. And I'm going to mm-hmm. just do what I'm led to do. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah. So some ways that you can support the Hoodoo Plant Mamas podcast, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. To monetarily support our podcast, you can join our Patreon. We have a $2 tier for those who want to give every month to show their support. And our $5 all-access tier includes monthly mini-sews, and plant content. If you prefer a one-time donation, you can give any amount you want on Cash App at dollar sign Hoodoo Plant Mamas or PayPal HoodooPlantMamas at gmail.com. If you are interested in sponsoring an episode, email us at HoodooPlantMamas at gmail.com. We especially want to work with Black, Indigenous, PLC-owned, and queer-owned businesses. Let's get into the show. All right. Well, today we have the pleasure of having Juju Bay on the podcast today. Um, before we jump into it, would you like to introduce yourself and just tell the people who you are and what you do and that kind of thing? Sure. And thank y'all for having me too. Uh, yes, I'm Juju or Juju Bay. Um, I am an ancestral healer, worker, a hoodoo, an Orisha devotee, um, and the host of a little Juju podcast where. Um, I talk a lot about African traditional and diasporic religions and black people and freedom. So that's just a little bit about uh, who I am, but also a writer, because I know y'all going to be talking to me a little bit about stuff like that. So let me claim that I'm also a writer, maybe a poet or something. You know, I do. I dip and dabble, but that's that's a little bit about me. Yes. Thank you for joining us. We both are fans of a little Juju podcast. So the first question that we wanted to ask you and the reason that we wanted you to be on the series is I saw a tweet that you did maybe about a year ago and you voiced your frustration about your love of other mediums like music and writing. And I don't know if this has happened to Danny since we've done this podcast, but this has happened to me where people typecast me as being like super spiritual. And I'm like, when I met you, you knew I did other things. Like, I, it's not just spirituality. So I'm wondering, um, for you, I would love to hear more about how you feel being seen as this huge spiritual person when you, like, can do so many other creative things. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like, okay, so partially it can be frustrating. Um, I think anyone, if they feel pigeonholed or that they just have to show up and be this one person and that my social media has to reflect only quote unquote spiritual content, um, et cetera. That can be frustrating, but I think what's really beautiful about African traditional religions and 
uh, religions of the diaspora is that they really are all encompassing of a whole bunch of different things. So it's not really just about quote unquote being spiritual, but it's really about just being who you are, being um, a, a person that's connected to other people and, and, and your journey. Uh, so I just try to document my journey. And even though it can be a little bit frustrating for the most part, it's actually okay. Cause I'm like, I'm still spiritual regardless of how I'm showing up. Um, I'm still a child of my ancestors. I still can talk about writing and the Orisha and sex at the same time. <laughs> like there's nothing that tells me that I can't. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I view it a, a little bit. No, I love that. And yeah, I, my friends call me the spiritual one too, but I always mm-hmm. kind of been the weirdo of the group. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, so lately I've been leaning more into inner child work. I think since I've been doing inner child work, I feel a, really drawn to poetry because that's what I start first started writing as a child. Before I knew what poetry was, I, I just started writing it to express myself. And so I've been thinking a lot about this question of when did it happen or how did it find me? And so for you, I was curious about when poetry or, or writing found you because I hear the poet in everything you do, how you present information and stories on the podcast, um, that really creative Beyonce piece you did, um, and then also your poem, which we'll talk about later. Um, well, actually kind of mixed hybrid, mixed genres. She Who Sees, that piece, um, which I also love. Um, yeah, so that's just like super long-winded version of asking, like, what's your earliest memory of being called to writing or poetry? That is such a good question, and it's one I've never had to think about before. Um, I definitely remember writing poems, or really short stories. I used to write a lot of short stories with my homegirl in uh, middle school, maybe even elementary school. Shout out to Morgan, who I just reconnected with, and she has like a whole bunch of books out now. I'm like, girl, we used to write books together. But yeah, so I think that was probably fourth grade third or fourth grade we just after school or during school we would just try to finish writing a a short story or even a a small book and we would read them to each other um I think one of my first books was called Allegra's Window and I don't remember what it was about right now but it was so long like I filled up a whole like notebook and I did that often so yeah I would probably say third or fourth grade I was writing short stories and for my mom's friends I would write them stories yeah that's hmm interesting I appreciate that question. No, I mean, I just started thinking about it when I was like, all right, well, let me, you know, do this. What? And I, you know, in a reading, someone told me I needed to go back to something in my childhood, like something you used to do, maybe. And that's, that's what ended up coming up. And so I just been thinking about like, wow, when does this find us? Like that moment where we just start writing with no training or anything. Cause nobody really teaches uh, some of us, nobody really teaches you how to write poetry. So. Right. Right. And also, you know, I come from storytellers, so they weren't necessarily writing books, but like my aunt is a great storyteller. My grandmother's a great storyteller. So I always came from people. I was always listening to word and having, words sound poetic to me but to put the pen to the paper I think was just another step that I took it to that um it was really pivotal in my in my growth and in my childhood yeah and very healing very healing 
I just want to add this because I think it's funny when you were talking about you and your friend Morgan. When I mm-hmm. was in eighth grade, I wrote Twilight fan fiction with me and my friend. <laughs> I love it. See? <laughs> See? So, yeah, we would write fan fiction that we would share it with each other. So, Aww. yeah, it's a good memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> so another question uh, I have is about your Beyonce took me to the river and Ode to Lemonade. And so in it, you describe watching Lemonade and feeling called to learn more about Oshun, which helped jumpstart your spiritual journey into African traditional religions. And so in that process, you came across a woman who dragged Lemonade and Beyonce for showing too much of this tradition. And y'all sort of agreed to disagree about whether certain spiritual elements needed to be presented in media. But you wrote in the end of that piece that media can be a tool, a powerful one. The way it made me listen to my intuition and feel reconnected to my own ancestors and to Oshun, who, in my opinion, used that energy of attraction to pull me and so many people in through a superstar. So I do agree with that sentiment that not all the secrets uh, should be shared through media, but I am wondering what you think the role media should play in terms of educating others about ATRs. Um, great question. Uh, ATRs, a lot of these religions and traditions are closed. You know, there's they're full of secrets, as they should be, as they're supposed to be. They're full of initiations and ceremonies and and workings that you just shouldn't share. Um, they're not supposed to be shared. Um, and there's a way to share <laughs> information about these traditions and religions that is respectful, um, but also educational and provides knowledge or at least like I kind of talked about sparks the intuition in someone. They're like, hmm, I don't know all the way what you're talking about, but I'm feeling something, which is, I think, sort of the feedback that I get from the podcast. It's like, you know, I never was really thinking super hard about ancestors, but I always knew there was something else. And then just based on what you say, I feel empowered to do something like whether it's build an altar, whether it's be out in nature more, whether it's have a conversation with the elder in my life. So, I mean, I think the media is just a tool. Anything can be used for, you know, medicine and all medicine can be poison. So it's about finding the balance um, of what we share and our intention behind what we share and to make sure that we're being respectful. So um, I think it's possible to do it in a way that's um, not... Because I honestly, though, I do feel like a lot of elders, I'm jumping around, but I do feel like a lot of elders who aren't on social media and stuff are looked down a little bit at the, you know, the juju content, people's juju content, what we talk about. Because they're like, why are y'all on here tweeting and making podcast episodes about this? But I think a large, uh, a even larger group of people, including elders, are like, yes, but this is so needed because our traditions evolve and they change and they have to keep up with the times or they are irrelevant. We are in a media driven world like something about our traditions has to reflect that or they could become obsolete because that's just what we're in right now so it's balance it's about finding a balance that was a long-winded way to say that I love that and I also I feel like I've shared I've said this before on the podcast but like Beyonce isn't even the first to like start these conversations and I think I think hers was a little more blatant but when you look at things like Daughter of the Dust, Eve's Bayou, mm-hmm. even like Black literature, Black songs, blues songs, like they've been mm-hmm. kind of leaving us stuff. 
But I think this was so like, <laughs> it was on such a larger scale because she's like a worldwide superstar. And I think that's what makes, a part of me thinks that's what really makes people uncomfortable. Like now you got all of these white people, <laughs> all these, all, you know, talking about this and, and mm-hmm. trying to figure out who these um people, like who, who are these deities or whatever that she's referencing and that kind of thing. So, right. Right. um, but yeah, I'm, I think I don't even know if I have a real opinion on it because I feel like who is for like if it's not for you, it's not going to be useful. Like even if you try, I just don't think it's going <laughs> right. to work out for you. So, um, yeah, well, my um, I did want to talk about She Who Sees piece. I love this piece. And it reminded me, it actually reminded me of something I wrote and deleted. I don't know where it is. I think it finally got deleted off my um google drive but it was it was like this kind of dialogue thing um and that's what i really loved about this i to me it felt like an oral history um and so for context for people listening because i do this a lot i do not introduce what i'm talking about um so see she who sees is a poem do you call it a poem or do you call it hybrid like how do you describe it um i call it a poem (laughs) okay okay Story. It was named a dramatic nonfiction. Okay, <laughs> where it was published. So I think that. it's all of that. Um, <laughs> but it was published in Sister Sisters, which is a Southern and Black feminist womanist lit mag, which I love to see. Um, and so I had so many thoughts about family, spirituality, and oral histories because, like I said, it felt like a oral, a, a familial oral history that was being documented. And so. I'm interested in what your intentions were with that piece. Like, what did that piece um, mean for you as a writer, but also as like documenting something that's really personal to you in this creative form? Um, She Who Sees is probably my favorite piece to have ever written ever. And it'll probably be my favorite piece because it was a really raw moment. Like it was real. What me talking about my grandmother calling me, telling me her having dreams about me, what the dreams were doing, her saying that I was anointed, her saying that I was like her mother. That's what happened. Like I really just documented a conversation that happened with my grandmother. Um, And I wrote it immediately after she called me and said this to me. So I had to process all the emotions that I had from my very Christian grandma, you know, from Baltimore by way of Manning, South Carolina, telling me that I don't know what you're doing over there, girl, but I see you in my dreams and I support you and I love you and you are gifted. And my mother did it too. With So she's telling me stuff, but not really saying anything. And I just bawled crying after that. I, writing was my outlet to like process, like, did that just happen like did that just happen was I just seen in such a way that I've never been seen before um by someone who you know helped raise me so yeah I needed it to to just process such like a monumental moment for really it felt like my lineage it just felt so big like not even to be dramatic it felt so big like so much weight was lifted off me um so yeah it was just me processing it that was what I was thinking about when I read it. Like, this is something so beautiful to leave behind for descendants. Like to see that, like almost like a family heirloom. Like it felt like we were in on this like beautiful family moment. And so I really love that piece. Thank you. 
So kind of shifting gears, I know that when you tweet about writing, you talk about smoking in addition to that. And I'm just curious about what smoking does for you. I know that during the season, we've talked about channeling. And for me personally, I've used substances before, and I felt like it was some of my best writing. Um, But I don't really use them anymore because I've done EMDR therapy, and it really helped me to channel those emotions in a similar way. So I'm wondering what using substances does for you creatively. Okay, we stay in EMDR therapy over here, first of all. Yes. <laughs> We'd love to see that. Um, I really like substances when writing, but particularly music, um, which I didn't talk about. But when I write songs, substances really help me get into a creative headspace um, and really help me be less judgmental of myself, which is something that I find in, I mean, I guess my work in general, but also my writing, I can be very like, oh, does that sound right? Or I don't know, you know, I just start to overthink. So uh, sometimes the use of substances, particularly for songs, um, helps me to not do that overthinking and just like, let me be in the tune, let me be in the beat, let me be in the music and just let it flow. Um, But I don't think it's always, it's not always necessary for me. And I find that I don't use substances as much as if I'm writing a poem or a story, which is interesting. I don't know why (laughs) I need it for, I don't need it, but I prefer it for music and don't for other forms of writing. But yeah, I think they're cool. You know, do what works. (laughs) I wonder if that has to do with like channeling. Do you think like channeling can be different if you use a substance versus not? Absolutely. I mean, I know even channeling spiritually when I'm doing readings and I've engaged in some kind of substance, it's a different reading. It's a different energy about it. Um, And it's not better or worse. It's just my brain is being is is channeling differently. Um, So it kind of just depends, I think, on like what I'm doing and do I have more free flowing space to use a substance like maybe in a song or do I need to like actually (laughs) think about and be in a moment um, with a poem, like with a clear mind? Well, one of the last questions we wanted to ask as far as black literature. So this entire series was inspired by Lucille Clifton, a hoodoo who wouldn't go. Who probably wouldn't call herself a hoodoo, but she did call herself two-headed and she was a medium and she did a lot of spirit writing. Um, And so I was interested to know like what books have, what black literary books have inspired you the most. Like if you had to name a book or a couple of books you consider um, like literary Bibles, uh, what would that be for you? Just in any topic range, yeah. It and it doesn't have, yeah, it doesn't have to be like explicitly about anything spiritual, but like that you consider mm-hmm. like this is a really, um. Well, I won't say that. Like, so there are certain books. Um, there's Big Mama stories. There's um. There's like another book that I feel like had a lot of like spiritual kind of tea in it or whatever. And um so yeah, I guess I guess I'll I'll be specific and say like if if there was a, a like a book or a couple of books where you feel like 
there's a lot in it for black people who want to learn about spirituality or even if it doesn't explicitly talk about it, that where there's a lot of like hoodoo in or other references to like um, ATRs and that kind of thing. Of course, I'm going to say like, this is a Toni Morrison stand account over here. So I just think all things Toni Morrison. (laughs) Uh, If you want to know more about hoodoo, root work, black culture, black emotion, the way she tells stories is just the way she makes references to root working and hoodoo, even though the books aren't about root working and hoodoo. Those are kind of the best ways that I like to get engage in the culture and in the tradition, because it's just when it's just a part of text and it's not like the book is about that necessarily, but I'm weaving our beliefs, our traditions, our old wives tales, quote unquote, into a story about a woman's relationship with another woman in Sula, you know, or the spirit of an, of a child that was, that was murdered and beloved sort of coming back and almost haunting quote unquote, a family. Um, those are like really rich stories, like not about black history, black culture, just blackness. So with, and, and how Toni Morrison tells stories about blackness, it's going to include the hoodoo. Cause that's, it's, you can't separate it from black culture because it, that hoodoo really is just black culture. Um, so yeah, definitely Toni Morrison. I love this book called Freshwater by Akweke and Misi. And it's a fiction, like as all of these books are quote unquote, they're fiction, but they tell a lot of true stuff <laughs> in it too. Um, and I just love books about spirits and black folks relationship to spirits, um, whether on the continent or in the U.S. So definitely fresh water too. Now, okay. And I'll ask this since you had asked me to clarify, is there a book that really inspired you? That's not necessarily about spirituality that you still feel like has impacted you like unexpectedly, um, as a spiritualist Mm -hmm. and as a writer. All the books by the um, Somays, so like uh, Elder Mali Doma, Patrice Somay's book, Healing Wisdom of Africa, is such a good book. Um, it's so thorough. It's so clear. It's written so simply, but so beautifully and really gives you insight into Dagara uh, culture. And then I would also say um, The Spirit of Intimacy by Sabonfu Somay. Um, who is an ancestor, but is was the wife of Mali Doma, Patrice Somay. And in the spirit of intimacy, she just talks about um, relationships, like how indigenously the Gara cult, folks in the Dagara culture created were in relationships, whether it was marriage, uh, friendship, romance. Um, yeah, and really just like deconstructs how we view partnership. Uh, so I really love the the Somme, the Somme books. I would hope to write a book and it's as clear as how the Somme's write. So I have a question. Have you seen Pieces I Am, the Toni Morrison documentary? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's a really good one, um, too, because I know that she was talking about kind of fighting with spirits as she was writing her books. Yes. 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 (laughs) Toni Morrison is such a little hoodoo, like, (laughs) such a, yes, such a witch. Yeah. That was my favorite documentary, especially when she talked about like people think it's like so like, oh, she's just being quirky. But she literally told y'all that a ghost walked out of the water and that's how she wrote Beloved. Like 
a, a, a ghost in a top hat and like a the big cat that we see beloved where that she describes um in the book and so mm-hmm. i love how she was so open about it like um i think yeah I, I love that she was open about it and didn't care what people thought about how she described her writing process and mama coco actually wrote a book sort of uncovering the the patterns of like ATRs within Toni Morrison text. So that's definitely a good book. I can't remember the name of it, but maybe we could put it in the show notes or something. I can send it to y'all. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, before we wrap up, um, did you have any other final thoughts about spirit writing? Lucille Clifton, who's from, um, Lucille Clifton is from Baltimore, right? I know I'm not making she that is up. from Baltimore. Okay. <laughs> yes. I think she is. Yes. And so um, if you have any other final thoughts about that or um, anything we discussed, we'd love to hear before we um, before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate this interview um, because honestly, spirit writing is not something that I think so much about, but it's something that I do. And I think it's a powerful tool for anybody, whether they consider themselves, you know, a writer or not, which it's easy to go back and forth around that identity if you don't have out a book or you're not like, you know, producing work, quote unquote. But, you know, writing is such a healing tool. Like it's another spiritual tool that we have to to get things out. It is a releasing ritual. It is a way to document. It is archiving. Like writing just ticks off a lot of <laughs> a lot of things. So I encourage people to write and explore their relationship with writing, um, regardless of how you may identify. Just because it'll it may open up some doors, some gifts that you just weren't expecting when you just when you write. And like I encourage like pen to paper write or like pencil to to pad write. Uh, phone writing is cool of course we use what we got but yeah just encouraging folks to 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 engage in in a writing ritual of some sort and see what it does for you did you have any final thoughts Leah um no I don't have any final thoughts but I did want to thank you Juju for joining us (laughs) I had a great time thank you so much So Leah, what are you holding on to from this interview? A lot, actually. I really loved your question about when did writing find you? Uh, I know as a child, I was someone who didn't really have a lot of privacy. So I had a hard time talking and trusting other people. So for me, writing was the only way that I could release a lot of like the chaos that was in my head. Um, and work through difficult feelings. And I know towards the end of the interview, Juju also kind of reiterated that writing can be a, a healing tool and a releasing ritual. Um, and she also called it a tool of archiving and documentation, which was in line with what Heslove said in their episode. Um, but I also think of writing as kind of being this this tool of like ancestral work or lineage work. Um, because in my family, my brother, my grandma, they both call themselves writers. And now my sister wants to write a book too. So I feel like several people in our lineage want us to tell stories that, you know, for generations could not be told because of everything that goes on in this country. 
Um, but I also love how Juju said that media can spark intuition um, in terms of her podcast and the work that she does. And I know, as I said earlier, she's been very instrumental in inspiring me to build an ancestral altar and to start doing shadow work and think more deeply about the spiritual forces that are in play in my life. So I'm grateful to her for that. And I feel that, you know, many people come to maybe this podcast or her podcast looking for recipes to do like spiritual bypassing, but doing that work is so important. Like, you know, we could give you a love spell, but if your spiritual work is relationship or anarchy, that love spell isn't going to help you. Or we could teach you how to hex someone, but if your ancestors don't want you to hex people, then you're going to be in trouble. So I think it's so, so important to do your shadow work to develop your intuition and to build that relationship with your ancestors. So what are you still holding on to from this interview? I also loved when she talked about writing as a form of healing because it's so true. And it reminds me of when Lucille Clifton talked about that moment she made first, that, that first contact with her mother. And then that group of spirits, I think she called the ones it seemed to be healing work for her. And as she, and she also engaged in like a form of documentation in her poetry and her spirit writing, particularly the poem inspired by her mother, (laughs) forgot the title. And I'm going to be mad at myself because I know it's, I'm going to remember it after we stop recording, but. um, Is it the light that came to Lucille Clifton? Yes. Oh my gosh. The light that came (laughs) to Lucille Clifton. And she basically told her, you can't run from this. You have to face this. Um, and that was some ancestral work that she had to do, some spiritual work that she had to do through her writing. Um, and then I also, I resonated with when we were talking about uh, writing and how writing finds us. We don't really get any formal training in it. We just kind of are drawn to it if it's for us. And Juju Bay talked about coming from storytellers. And I really connected with that because I feel like so many people in my family are such amazing storytellers. They inspired a lot of my work. There's still things that I've, stories I've I've heard, overheard, or either they told me directly that have inspired things that I've written. Even my father, who is not like a big reader or writer and spends majority of his time watching sports if he's not at work. <laughs> um, one of the best storytellers I know, like can just tell you stories for hours and hours and he claims they're true, but he adds so much into it. And I'm just like, yeah, he he's some of this. This is some creative nonfiction, but that kind of like lineage of people that not only like, like, yeah, the, the traditional oral storytelling, passing down stories. Like I think so much of that is connected to our relationships to writing and, um, I was so thankful for what she said about how people, even if you don't see yourself as a writer, put down some thoughts. Uh, my, one of my friends, which I don't do this as much because I think I prefer just writing, writing it down or typing it. Uh, but I have a friend who put me on to like audio journaling. So if you're one of those people who like, no, I don't want to sit at a computer and write, or I don't want to do pen to paper, I I think audio journaling can be that too. I think it can have the same effect to just say it out loud. Um, What are you thinking about? What, you know, 
is there something that happened in, at the family reunion that you want to record or um, through your own voice? Just things like that. Even um, recording family members telling stories. That's such a, obviously get consent. I know everybody is, not everybody does that. But I would say get consent and just ask, can I record this? I really want to save this. I really want to save you saying this. All of that is like, to me, a type of spiritual work and really in conversation with what we talked about. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, I don't, but I did just really love what you said about having storytellers in your family. And it reminded me, like, there are a few people who don't call themselves writers, but they do love to embellish a good story. So yeah, um, but yeah, that's all I had. I'm so grateful that Juju Bay uh, took the time out to talk with us, and this was fun. Yes, it was. So if you like this episode, you can like, rate, and re- review Hoodoo Plant Mamas on Apple Podcasts. If anything from the show resonated with you, make sure to share it with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Stay tuned for our season finale in two weeks. Yes. It's going to be so good, y'all. It was such a beautiful discussion, so we can't wait to share it. Um, And thank y'all for supporting us through this season. We really appreciate it. Bye, y'all. Bye.